Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I am talking with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District, Steve Pierce. Steve, it's real interesting to watch how this whole thing with Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York is going down. A whole different set of rules for a Democrat who gets in trouble. You can imagine if this was a Republican, he or she would be gone already. Oh, you remember uh, our our current governor, uh, Michelle Luan Grisham, was in Congress at the point of time when Kavanaugh was being confirmed as a justice on the Supreme Court. And she demanded that he step aside over some allegations that supposedly came from his high school days and no one else at the party remembered anything like that going on. And yet now then it looks like there are five accusers uh, standing in line to say that he did things which were offensive to them. And so Lindsay Boylan, uh, she was the first one to make allegations. She just tweeted out uh, after the fifth one came forward, just resign, you despicable monster. That's getting fairly plain spoken (laughs) in the words of one of the accusers for the governor of New York. And like you said, if this were a Republican, they would have run him out of town a long time ago. But you know, it's interesting, but the sex allegations may be starving oxygen away from the real story, and that is the number of people who died under his executive orders. And so there's speculation among some that maybe he could or should face murder charges because he required those nursing homes to take those people in. And then the records never adequately reflected the number of people that died. They were reporting 6,000, which is an an extreme number, but the number is actually closer to 15,000. And so this whole business of the sex allegations might be being used as a ploy to keep the real heat off of the governor of New York. There was an aide to Governor Cuomo that said they held back the real numbers because they didn't want to be criticized by the Trump administration. Maybe they should have been criticized by the Trump administration. That's exactly right. And and, uh, Trump would have been very straightforward about it. If he knew the death toll was reaching the, the numbers that it did, Trump would have been very vocal about it. So it's playing out as we speak. But uh, regardless, it looks like the future for Governor Cuomo, Democrat from New York, is, is somewhere fading into the sunset right now. You know, when you talk about problems, if you look from his problems to the nominated Secretary for Interior, New Mexico's own Deb Haaland, the congresswoman from Albuquerque, she is starting to show many, many things that are raising eyebrows. When you go to Congress, you're required to file an FEC, that's Federal Election Commission, report, and it shows exactly how much you earn, shows where your investments are, It's to let the people know if you are making money in office or not. So she's now revealing, since she was nominated as as Secretary of the Interior, that, uh, well, she just forgot to pay her taxes in 2019. So in December of this last year, December of 2020, she actually filed her taxes for 2018. Again, no other sitting member of Congress would get by with that, or no Republican sitting member of Congress would get by with that. Uh, And yet uh, it's like uh, Washington is looking the other way. The IRS maybe didn't notice that she didn't pay her taxes. But then even bigger is the filing on the FEC report. She's now amended that three or four times. And so it's turning out that uh, she said that she made $30,000 roughly last year, $30,550 the year that she was campaigning to come into office. Then she said in the release about her taxes, 
that she only made $2,250. That's a huge swing. But now then there's even another change and another amendment to her FEC report saying that she got money from the San Felipe Casino. That was $16,000 that uh, she got there. Now then we're getting a very different view of kind of murkiness coming from our nominated Secretary for the Interior, Deb Holland. Then if you also factor in one more thing, that Representative Honda from California is someone that I served with. He got into some trouble. His chief of staff was deeply involved in that. And that's who Deb Holland's chief of staff has been in Congress. But then beyond that, she's going to use her and her office staff, I think, as chief of staff when she goes over to, to be Secretary of the Interior. But you're starting to see people now raise questions about her nomination. They're raising questions about her background. Does she have any management background? That department is about 10,000 employees, if I remember correctly. And so whoever is at the top of it better have some management experience. But also she knows nothing about uh, the basic issues, and that's a great detriment because the Interior Department is one of the more complex departments in the country. But then beyond that, she's got this radical stance towards energy, which is going to be very destructive to New Mexico. And so all in all, people are beginning to ask significant questions about Deb Holland's nomination to be Secretary of the Interior. Well, you know, if it was me or you, and we claimed $2,250 of income in a year, the IRS would be wondering, well, how did you pay your rent or your house payment? How did you make your car payment? with only that much income. So there's a red flag aside from her political aspirations. Yeah, those are questions that should be asked, but to uh, be frank, it looked like the Senate hearing was pretty much softballs. It looked like that people did not want to contend earnestly with some of the problems they were seeing, but uh, Senator Barrasso is now raising significant questions about her taxes, about her FEC filings, and so we'll see where it goes. She only got out of committee on 11-9 vote. So one more vote, she would have failed. But if there's enough tarnish by the time the, the question is had on the Senate floor, uh, you might just get a 50-50 tie and we'll see where it goes from there. Joe Manchin is the Democrat from West Virginia is the swing vote in all of this. He's in West Virginia, a resource-based state, a lot of coal mining there. And he will be one of the determining, really probably the determining vote, whether or not she's confirmed. He has said he's going to support her. But I will tell you, it's questions like these that are rising right now that cause people to pause because they don't want to have to campaign with ads running, telling how that they voted for somebody that was corrupt or somebody that had misfiled reports or not paid taxes. Those are just things you don't want to deal with in a campaign. And so we'll see where it goes. But again, a lot of interesting things happen. Coming up, we'll have an interview that Steve Pierce did in Alamogordo on KHII. And I will be talking to our representative from the 2nd Congressional District, Yvette Harrell. Next on Inside New Mexico. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. 
Visit esgr.mil slash employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Yvette Harrell. She is our representative in Congress for the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, and she opposed this COVID relief bill that just passed. I asked her why. We need to make sure people understand the truth. You know, I know Democrats and some are saying that I don't care about the families, I don't care about kids or COVID relief. Yes, I do. And I care so much that I think it's ridiculous to saddle them with debt that they have no way of paying back. And if we really want to do what's right by our constituents and by our state, then let's help get our kids back in the classroom. Let's educate our children. Let's open our economy safely. Let's put people back to work in the state of New Mexico. Let's ensure our borders are secure and that we hang on to the biggest industry in the state that puts almost 43% of our general revenue money into our state coffers, because that's money that's going to come out of the classroom. It's money that's going to come out of the essential services that New Mexicans expect and need from our state government. So to think that I don't want to help is absolutely a misstatement. I think it's more important to be physically responsible and ensure that we're doing everything we can to help our businesses and open our economy. Okay, now that we've had the 2020 census, we'll be redistricting. How will that affect Congressional District 2? Sadly, uh, Speaker Egoff has mentioned a number of times in the press that their goal is to redistrict uh, the Congressional seat 2 so that uh, we will lose this seat. And remember, this has absolutely nothing to do with Yvette Harrell, the sitting congresswoman. What this has everything to do with is silencing the voices of every conservative in the district, whether you're Democrat, Independent, Republican, it doesn't matter. And to think that they are going to look at ways to gerrymander this district so that we will have all of the conservative voices silenced, meaning there will be no representation for how we manage our forests, for how we open our businesses, for how we stand for our strong conservative values in the state of New Mexico at all. So they're trying to turn New Mexico completely blue. And that's disingenuous to our residents that live in New Mexico, because everybody should have an opportunity to have their values messaged or heard on any level of government. So obviously, we're already working on that. As I understand it, in fact, there is a bill in the New Mexico House right now that is aiming to set up an independent commission to do the redistricting, draw the maps. And I know that Speaker Egoff has been very adamantly opposed to that. And it's said in the paper that Why would he support something where he would lose the control, lose their ability to run their progressive agenda through the state legislature and beyond? So we need to be very aware of that because, again, this has nothing to do with Yvette Harrell personally. You know, this isn't about me. It's about the voices of everybody that lives in the 2nd Congressional District, every business owner that has a voice or concern, every Christian, everybody that has an ag operation, an oil operation, children in our schools. We're all touched by government in one way or another, and to silence the voices of those conservatives, I think, is shameful, and we will certainly be doing everything we can to ensure that we all have a voice at the table. Now I have a clip from an interview that Steve Pierce did with Mike Derler down in Alamogordo on KHII and KEDU. Yesterday I saw uh, an interview with uh, Beto O'Rourke from Texas talking about how the Republican Party is the cult of death because of the mass situation, and yet... Here in New Mexico, our governor signed an abortion bill allowing abortions up to birth 
and assisted suicides. I want to get your input on that. The shame about the COVID was that Texas shut down the abortion clinics for being non-essential. New Mexico kept them open, so young girls were coming across at El Paso into New Mexico to get their abortions. And because many of the people couldn't get health care here, they're going to Texas to get health care, but girls are coming across to New Mexico to get abortions. Being paid for by Medicare, Medicaid dollars that should have been going to New Mexico residents. But then the assisted suicide bill, it just tells you where the Democrat Progressive Party is. These are not the values of New Mexico conservatives, be they Democrats or Republicans. These are the values of a very radical viewpoint that is, frankly, not one that much of the country supports. You remember a couple of years ago when New York and Virginia were talking about the abortion bill? Mm-hmm. They were, the entire country was outraged, yet New Mexico has been doing for 15 years what those bills were going to, to propose for those states. And so it's uh, New Mexico's progressive are simply nationalizing New Mexico's laws instead of forming laws and policies that would align with conservatives. Uh, New Mexico is basically a center-right state. Uh, absolutely. And these uh, these uh, two laws that she signed just fly in the face of human dignity. Uh, you know, when, when Beto O'Rourke calls, calls Republicans the cult of death, and yet this is exactly what the liberal party, the Democrat party, is doing, signing bills that is nothing but about death. That's right. And they can try to change the narrative all they want. But uh, even Democrats now, the conservatives in New Mexico, are realizing that they've got no place in the modern Democrat party. Mm-hmm. It is sheerly about Marxism, about socialism, about death, about uh, drugs. These, again, are very counterproductive to the formation of strong families. Nations get their strength when they have strong families because strong families will grow strong individuals. Those strong individuals then make a strong country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington, Santa Fe, they, they're not the strength of a nation. And yet the progressives are trying to do everything they can to destroy the nuclear family, the father and the mother and the kids. They view the state as being much more important. That way they can control the way people think. These are very dangerous times when they're implementing their policies. Let's go to this last item here, the future strategies of the GOP here to win 2022. You know, one of the things that we got to do we got to change we got to enforce we got to whatever we got to do but we got to do something about the election laws in each state while we still have them to prevent what happened in november yeah we we found a lot of places where the law was broken by the democrat election officials either elected or unelected and we would take those things to court uh, the judges in the Supreme Court, four Democrats, one Republican, refused to even hear the most egregious case. Mm-hmm. That's where we were kicked out of counties and not allowed to watch the, the certification of the absentee ballots. So we have no idea in those counties if the absentee ballots were correct or if they were brought in by the truckload because we were pushed out for about a 12 or 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. And and by the time we got back in, everything had been certified, and the ballots were opened up, and uh, then they were counted. Well, it's the certification that is a key process. It's the reason mm-hmm. both parties are supposed to be there watching, and yet we were kicked out without explanation, and the courts wouldn't hear it. That's just one of many examples in New Mexico where the laws were broken, we could see the, about the same things happening across the country. 
And so it's uh, it's like uh, Stalin or Marx or one of those uh, leaders of the communist movement said, we don't care who votes, we just want to know who counts the vote. And right. that appears to be the direction that the Democrats are moving. That was Mike Gerler interviewing Steve Pierce on KHII and KEDU in Alamogordo. Steve Pierce and I will return in a moment. We'll be talking about our southern border on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce. And Steve, interesting things going on at the border. Everything was working just fine. From what I understand, we had the lowest rate of illegals coming over the border in years. And now all of a sudden the hordes are back and we're having to put forth $10 million, I think, to help communities along the border. What happened? Well, what happened is uh, Joe Biden came into office. He had uh, immediately set about opening the border up. Like you said, it had been very controlled. And all of us in this country want legal immigration. That's what we're after. But I will tell you, the illegal immigration is very unfair to those people who are coming here to the country legally. They are willing to pay five or $10,000 and get here illegally. Meanwhile, other people who are following the rules may take years to get here. The situation has gotten very dire in Texas, the governor, Governor Abbott, has brought the National Guard and put them at the border to help secure that because our border communities are being overrun. In New Mexico, the same ranchers that I represented for 14 years in Congress are just screaming for help, and yet there's going to be none coming. They talk about cattle being killed, talk about the trash that's being left across their lands. It seems like that the Democrats want to talk about the environment, except when their policies are causing the environmental destruction that we're seeing along the border right now. So very huge problems at the border. Also in New Mexico, the grocery gate just continues to explode underneath Governor Lujan Grisham. Something about those two to $300 steaks, forget the price per pound, but a Wagyu beef steak can cost up to $300 per steak. And then the tuna steaks are at least $64 a pound. That's according to Amazon's latest price. While people in New Mexico were suffering from the highest unemployment in the country, also from lower pay and less compensation, they're just struggling to make ends meet. Our governor is living high on the hog. She says it was for different staff meetings that she was having, but that doesn't explain how they got the five bottles of tequila for our staff meetings. I, I just, I've been to a lot of staff meetings in my life and never did we serve tequila there. So maybe she's got a new avenue to get the creative juices flowing. Well, let's explain something, Steve, that she didn't use her own money. If, if she went into her own bank account and did that, that's up to her. But as I understand it, she used a state fund, taxpayer dollars for that. She did. There's a fund set aside for any governor who wants to bring in outsiders, maybe from outside the state or even outside the country. They're trying to promote New Mexico then this fund is set up. Well, she wasn't doing any of that. She's bringing staffers from the Capitol in there and having get-togethers at a time when she was telling New Mexicans that you couldn't get with your grandmother or your mother at Thanksgiving, you know, the same restrictions at Christmas. And then even uh, during the Super Bowl, 
you can't gather up with your friends there. And so while she was restricting everyone out here, then she and her staff would get together and eating this luxury meats, having the tequila, whatever parties they're having. And it's that arrogance, I think, that is really, really starting to irritate the people of New Mexico. It falls right in line with what happened on the jewelry gate. You remember, she had all mm-hmm. the jewelry stores closed down, but when she wanted a piece of jewelry, she called and had them open up and she went down there and bought herself a piece of jewelry. Just unthinkable at that same period of time as the jewelry gate. You might recall that was somewhere around Memorial Day and she was insisting that people could not go out to the lakes and you can't be on your boat. And yet there were a lot of very strong speculation that she was actually on a boat up in San Juan County on the big lake up there with a former state representative who was Democrat. So a lot of speculation, but all of it is beginning to really stink up the waters. And her apologists have said that she issued an apology. That's not correct at all. What she said is she was sure that it did not look very good to the people. Uh, That means she's not worried about the fact she did it. She's worried about how it looks. In politics, they call that the optics of the situation. So again, the governor is beginning to find some rough air around this smooth cruise she's had up till now. In Washington, we've got two very big bills that just recently passed. You've got the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill that passed on very narrow margins. It is going to have a profound negative effect on our national economy. You recall a year ago, year and a half ago under Trump, we had the best economy in the world. And not only now is it not the best, not only have we had record unemployment, but it looks like that this $1.9 trillion stimulus bill is going to put us on a pathway for hyperinflation, the highest that we've seen in 30 years. The bond markets already have found their lowest level in the last 10 years. And so we're beginning to see the elements of economic chaos that are coming out of the policies that are being passed by this White House and by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer in the Senate, your purchasing value is going to fall dramatically. And when we see that kind of inflation, that purchasing value erosion, the people at the bottom of the economic ladder get hurt the worst. The retirees are going to be devastated. They're living on fixed incomes. They don't have a way to go out and and create more wealth or create more income. And so they're going to be hurt badly. But also the people working down in the lower third of the wage scale, minimum wage and above, they're going to be just deeply penalized uh, because of the inflationary policies that the Biden administration is undertaking. So two of the most egregious things in that stimulus bill are, number one, that's supposed to give everybody who makes less than $80,000, you're going to get a check for $1,400. What is not well known is that every federal employee is going to get a check for $21,000. So you've never missed a paycheck if you're a federal government employee, but they're going to give you a bonus of $21,000 just if you want to go and claim that uh, you want to stay home with your kid and make sure they're getting the schoolwork done on the computer. They're going to give you $1,400 a week for 15 weeks, where the rest of the population is getting a one-time check for $1,400. That's extremely offensive to most working Americans. But then it's going to be one of the more radical transfers of wealth from the red states to the blue states. The states of California, New York, Illinois, New Jersey, and Connecticut are well known that their pension systems are totally underwater. They're not functional. They're not solid. They're not solvent. 
And so one of the big payoffs in this bill is to bail out those pension systems in those states, again, transferring taxpayer dollars from the red states over to these poorly run blue states. And so you're going to continue to have blue states run poorly because if they know that they can get the taxpayer to make up the difference, they're going to continue to pay their employees and their retirees more than they could ever, ever get in anything else. Right now, if you're on these state pensions, a lot of times they're getting up to 75 or 80% of their active duty pay. So while they're in office, if they're making $100,000, then they're going to be retired at 75 to 80,000. That's significantly different than most people who don't work for the government are getting. So you've got not only this $21,000 paycheck to all current federal employees, but you have then the bailout of pension systems who are paying more than could ever economically or actuarially be justified, and they're paying these funds out even into bankruptcy for their pensions, and this big stimulus bill does very little for the working people, but it does a lot for the union members and union retirees. So again, that's gonna be hazardous as it's passed. I know we're running out of time, but uh, HR1 is supposed to be the bill to fix elections. The truth is it's going to let the federal government take over our elections, It's going to put the taxpayer on the hook to pay for campaigns. And so you're going to have taxpayer money shifted over to campaigns. It's going to legalize ballot harvesting and it's going to threaten our freedom of speech. It's going to prevent our state officials from purging people who should not be on the rolls. Maybe they've moved out of the state. Maybe they had the bad habit of dying. And so they won't be able to purge people like that off of the voter rolls. So a lot of things that bill does that are totally, totally in contrast with fair and free elections. So Derek, great show today. Always appreciate the work and appreciate our local stations airing them. If you're listening, please call your local radio station and tell them thanks for airing Inside New Mexico. They do it totally free of charge. Thank you, Steve. And if you're listening to Inside New Mexico and you'd like to get more information about the Republican Party of New Mexico, check out the website at www.gopnm.org. The party has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. You can also call 505-298-3662. That's party headquarters in Albuquerque, 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. We look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.